0: hi and welcome to this pop culture deprived revisited where we're going to talk a bit about episode 48 national lampoon's christmas vacation
1: yay happy birthday last national lampoon's christmas vacation
0: happy birthday christmas to you (laughs) maybe maybe uh it's 30 years since this film came out yes and two years since we talked about it yes so this is a good time for us to revisit See see what we noticed. And did you get a chance to rewatch the whole film?
1: I did rewatch the whole film, yes.
0: Okay. And did you get a chance to listen to our podcast again about it?
1: I listened to part of our podcast about it. <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> anything did, did we discuss anything you wanted to pick up on now? Anything that your attitude has changed or
1: Um as far as like the movie itself goes, I feel like nothing's changed. I'm still Clark.
0: Okay, yeah. I yeah. still
1: love Christmas. <laughs> Um, I still thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Um, I think the only thing I noticed that was different would be that our conversation today, if we had just done this movie now, mm-hmm. our conversation around the problematic aspects would have been different, because we glossed okay. over it very much two mm-hmm. years ago. And a, it was yeah, it's 1989. <laughs> it's 1989, it's problematic, yeah, but they didn't know it was problematic then. Yeah. And that's kind of what we did, and I think we would have a very different conversation about that now. Right. Um, but that's really the only difference. Like, all of the things that I loved the first time, I still loved. And it just felt like a good, fun Christmas movie. And I'm still really glad we did it. Mm,
0: good. So I, th- there were a number of things in the film itself that I picked up on. There were some interesting things that we talked about in the podcast that I wanted to ask you about. Okay. You had a uh, when we were talking about why you'd never seen it and your reaction to watching it. You talked about having a muscle memory for not liking this sort of humor because it's stupid humor. Do do you still find that when we've done similar films to this now? Do you still get that?
1: No, I think I've I've evolved past that.
0: Right. Okay.
1: Except for Monty Python. (laughs) Uh,
0: Thanks. We also talked about cause uh, someone had written in, I'm really sorry, I forgot who this was, but someone had written in about how they weren't sure about showing it for kids that it's not as family friendly as they expected it to be. Did you Hmm. think that at all watching it? Do you think it's still age appropriate or uh, sorry, appropriate for kids?
1: I mean, I guess, Mm -hmm. I think so. Okay.
0: I, I'm so mixed on it because, yeah, there are, there was problematic stuff in it and we did definitely talk about, like, the ending and the way they treat the yuppies and so on. It probably needs a little bit of discussion. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, definitely what stood out was the whole sledding sequence where he shoots off and goes through traffic and it's all... I, I, and, you know, I watched that and go, okay, fine. But I could just imagine, like, my nephew, an eight-year-old, watching that and laughing his head off and thinking it's the funniest thing ever.
1: Yeah, see, I think that's where I I am on it. I feel Mm. like young kids are gonna love some of the potty humor and some of the moments like the sledding. Yeah. And like the problematic moments are gonna go right over their heads. Right. And so I feel like I, I don't know that I would say someone is too young to watch it, but I would also hope that as a parent, you would address some of those problematic moments Mm, right but it's not a reason to not let them watch the movie
0: okay and and the thing that stood out to me more than anything else in this was the treatment of cousin eddie part of that might be off the back of watching days of thunder um that that we've literally just talked about but how you know i've now seen randy quaid actually able to do more So, it almost makes me look for stuff in the character. And it's really interesting. There's the whole thing where he talks about, you know, they took the metal out of his head, where from where he clearly took a wound in, presumably, Vietnam or Korea. I don't know. But, you know, some war, he was injured and they now have put plastic in there. He has no money. He's living in an RV. Um, I think if this was done now, he'd be a much more sympathetic character. And I think there would be a thing of, him admitting he has no money and needs a job he doesn't care what it is he just needs to start working and Clark helping him but in this he's Hmm. just utterly a source of idiotic humor
1: right he I mean he's supposed to be a comedy mule I think yeah
0: oh yeah absolutely Uh, and that's a a really good way to class it but it makes me feel a little sorry because there's so much more to his story going on but all they're doing is putting on the the ridiculous, no, ridiculousness of it for comedy rather than for anything else and, and the, the other side of it that made me wonder and this you might be able to help me on or i might be also about to say something inappropriate his daughter's name is ruby sue okay that feels like a very southern name to me but they're not southerners it's
1: only it only feels southern because you're saying the first name and the middle name together but
0: she's introduced I mean, as Ruby Sue and that's what everyone calls her. Well, no, no, I know. Mm. But,
1: but it, that's what I mean, Like because they they call her by her first name and middle name. That's why it's on Southern. Yeah. Like Ruby itself is not a particularly Southern name. OK. Mm-hmm. But honestly, it's not that different than calling somebody Marianne. OK. It's just that is normal, quote unquote, normal.
0: Okay, but it's... Marianne still feels like a Southern name. <laughs> I think it's... Oh, it... does that feel like a Southern yeah, name too? Yeah, okay. it, it is, it is the, the two names, possibly even, uh, you know, hyphenated, but definitely two together. Okay. And, and I, what what I wondered was, are they giving her that name to sort of imply a kind of Southern hickness to it, even though they're not just laying on like, this guy is, we're supposed to look down and laugh at them.
1: I don't know. I didn't okay. pick up on that. Okay. That might just be you. <laughs>
0: Um, I really enjoyed the warmth of it though And I know this was something we enjoyed last time But it is the bit, the thing that gets you through the film That they are actually, everyone is kind of rooting for each other You know, the two different families don't work so well together But Mm -hmm. the kids want the father to be happy And they want him to succeed You know, it is clearly a loving relationship and, Mm -hmm. And he is a family man who wants to put a swimming pool in for his family
1: Right, mm. right. They all love each other even though they can't stand each other. Yeah. And, and that comes across very clearly. Mm.
0: And, and in a very normal family way, it's not exaggerated at all.
1: Maybe a little exaggerated. Oh, really? <laughs> Maybe just a little.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other one thing that stood out to me was they appear to have a croque en bouche behind them during the dinner sequence, which I've only. What now? Well, I've only ever seen it made on bake off, which is a kind of giant cone, I mean, a giant cone of choux pastry like profiteroles.
1: Oh, yeah, okay. They
0: actually have one, and looking it up, it does seem to be a sort of Christmas delicacy. And I've only ever seen it referred to as, like, a French wedding thing.
1: Oh, interesting. Mm. I'm unaware of I didn't notice it. Okay. And I am unaware. It's l- so.
0: literally in the background of one scene, the-, the dinner sequence. Of one scene, okay. And it's just, that's a really extravagant plot- prop to put in there for a thing I didn't know was... Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was actually a thing.
1: I don't know, the dinner scene. I was entirely focused on the turkey and trying to avoid looking at the turkey. So <laughs> that's probably why I didn't notice. I
0: did notice the thing that you liked last time of Beverly d'angelo flicking the turkey off her fork and then going, mm.
1: <laughs> right? <laughs> that's yeah, that's very good.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, all in all, I think it's it's still it holds up even two years later. You know, I loved it. It's a great Christmas film. Yeah. I still maintain I'm Clark, even though this year I didn't get to decorate outside. It's great.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's it's still a good film. Still worth watching, I think. I'm interested here. I think uh, Generosity had said that she wasn't sure she should revisit it or not. I think there's a lot of heart to it. I would be very interested to hear certainly her thoughts on for kids because she has kids. And, you know, again, coming back to it, having watched it all those years ago. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, now we have the show. We hope you enjoy it. Merry Christmas.
1: Merry Christmas. Welcome to our first Christmas episode of the season. This is episode number 48 of Pop Culturally Deprived. And today we're going to be talking about National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation on your Jelly of the Month Club podcast. I'm Mandy Kay.
0: And I'm Matthew Vose. Happy holidays, Mandy.
1: Happy Christmas, Matthew. <laughs> Which is always so weird. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm sure we have lots of listeners who don't necessarily celebrate Christmas. So. Happy whatever your season is, happy a break from work? Or <laughs> generally happy watching people. Around, yeah. Yes. Happy watch people around the world get excited over a lorry. Do, actually, do you call it the, the like the Coca-Cola truck?
1: I don't know what you're talking about. Is
0: the Coca Cola lorry not a thing over
1: there? I don't think so.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, we have this thing like a, a big like lit up lorry of Coca-Cola and like it goes through towns and and like the Coca-Cola advert going on TV is the start of the Christmas season for some. I assumed it was an Americanization because it feels it.
1: (laughs) The Coca-Cola commercials, the Christmas commercials are a thing. Okay. Um, That's definitely a thing. It's been, it it was more of a thing when I was younger than it is now, but it's definitely a thing, but I don't know anything about a truck.
0: Oh, okay. I don't think the truck is is a thing. Uh, the, it's a lorry that drives to a village and there's a kid who's very sad because he misses it as it goes through, but then like Santa throws a Coca-Cola bottle at him and then winks from the back of the back of the truck. And then I think there is actually a, a lorry that goes around to different places. Cool. Okay. So Christmas, we're, we're going to be covering three Christmas films. Um, I, I feel like at the start of this, it's probably worth establishing our, Opinions, our feelings on Christmas, whether we're a Grinch, a a Scrooge, an angel, Santa Claus, whatever. Um, Do you want to kick off, Mandy? What are your feelings on Christmas?
1: It's the most wonderful time of the year. That's all I need to say. Christmas (laughs) is the best. I love Christmas. It's my favorite. I put up my Christmas tree on November 7th. I decorated the outside of my house on November 15th. And I'm just really super excited about everything because Christmas is the best. It just makes me happy. (laughs) Nice. That's good. (laughs) Nobody else is really as excited about Christmas as I am. So Matthew, what are your thoughts on Christmas?
0: I love Christmas as well. I think Christmas is fantastic. I love Christmas songs. I love Christmas movies. I love putting up Christmas stuff in December. (laughs) 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 I love Advent calendars and, and having fun, quirky Christmas things. So I've got like a... Darth Vader, Santa Claus bobblehead that goes out my desk every year. I've got a, a snowman robot thing that goes out my desk. I've got uh gizmo from Gremlins in a Santa outfit that goes on the tree. I have Mario Christmas decorations. <laughs> you name it. Okay. But but I'm not allowed to, to think about Christmas until pretty much at least mid-November uh, after my partner's birthday, because that's in November, so we have to get past that first. Of and course. Then, and then we can get into the Christmas period.
1: Okay. Hmm. my birthday has always fallen traditionally either the week of or the week right after Thanksgiving. And so Thanksgiving, my birthday and Christmas have always been kind of the same, Hmm. (laughs) but not. And so when I was a kid, we had a tradition of we would get our tree the day after Thanksgiving. And that weekend was when we did everything Christmas related. That's when the Christmas season started because we would usually do my birthday on Thanksgiving. And so then my birthday and Thanksgiving get out of the way, and then the rest of the time is Christmas, which was wonderful as a kid. I never questioned it, whatever. I loved it. The day after Thanksgiving was always the day I looked forward to. But then I became an adult, and I bought my own house, and I realized I'm a grown-ass woman, and I can do what I want. (laughs) And I love Christmas. And so I want to enjoy my pretty Christmas decorations and the beautiful lights for longer than three weeks or a month. And so I have gradually moved it back earlier and earlier and now it's like right after Halloween. I start listening to Christmas mm-hmm. music and it's wonderful. Nice. Because I love Christmas.
0: Yeah. We have it's not a tradition. My my mum had a particular cake that they always bought at Christmas when she was a girl. And then growing up she would always buy it for my, you know, her family. But it doesn't go into the shops until something like the 14th of December. So it's very much once tunis cake is available. That's Christmas. That's like, okay, we're into the countdown now. Okay. It's very, it, it's a very, I mean, it's to everyone else, it's a very ordinary cake. But to me, it's like, oh, <laughs> this is available. It's Christmas. It must be Christmas. All right.
1: <laughs> okay. That's cool. I, I don't have any uh, specific traditions like that in my family. I guess it was just the whole day after Christmas or day after Thanksgiving thing. But now yeah. it's just me and it's kind of hard to have traditions for one person. So I do what I want when I want, and that's <laughs> how I like it.
0: Cake is a big part of Christmas for me. I like cake. Um, <laughs> uh, Christmas movies. I assume, loving Christmas. You also love Christmas movies? I do. Do you? But have... I have learned
1: that this is a contentious thing among <laughs> okay, people. The definition of a Christmas movie varies from person to person. So let's just get that elephant out of the way. <laughs>
0: um what are your favorite christmas films is there a type of christmas film that you go to
1: oh i think if if i'm being honest my favorite type of christmas film are the christmas films they show on the hallmark channel okay which i don't is that a thing over made for tv
0: very uh, i know what it is
1: yeah very sappy very Mm. sentimental usually features a romance of some sort not always So, yeah, those are generally my favorites, Um, specifically outside of Hallmark movies. I think two of my favorites are Dolly Parton movies. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Uh, One is called Unlikely Angel, which is amazing. It's an amazing movie and it makes me cry. And yes, it stars Dolly Parton. Hey. And the other one is called uh, Smoky Mountain Christmas. And uh, those two are both staples. Uh, for for Christmas time and they used to show them on TV all the time and now I have to like rent them which is disappointing but there is never a shortage of good Christmas movies on TV awesome. and at least in December.
0: There, there is a Hallmark film that a friend told me about last year but we didn't organize for me to yeah, I think she's got it on DVD uh, that came like free with a magazine or something we never organized for me to get it so I'm going to try and get it this year to watch it called Help for the Holidays starring Summer Glau as an elf yes. which yes. I want to see because it's summer glow
1: <laughs> yes <laughs> I think you'll enjoy it I actually think you'll good. hate it but I think you'll enjoy it
0: <laughs> my favourite Christmas films are the the big learning curve people are against Christmas or Christmas is in trouble and something comes out of it Elf is probably my favourite Christmas film it's an immaculate film that does a lot very good so.
1: Santa's coming to town Santa Oh, my God! Santa here? I know him. Yes, I completely forgot about Elf. I love Elf. And Mm. I love the Santa Claus. Mm. Have you seen this? I love all three of the Santa Claus movies. I I see it,
0: but I don't believe it.
1: (laughs) You're missing the point. What is the point? Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing.
0: I watched uh, Santa Claus 3 the other day. That was on TV.
1: That's the one that has... uh, martin short in it as it is. jack Frost. yes yeah yeah that one's amazing yes. i love it <laughs> i should not be as big a fan of tim allen as i am but i mean he plays santa claus really well
0: he does some very good films <laughs> he, he's he does a very particular part every single time but he does it very well so I'll yes. buy it. Um, there's a christmas film called christmas with the cranks that i particularly like very heartfelt film which we are not watching this year but i will get you to watch at some point that maybe next very- year Yeah, that is a very nice Christmas film. Okay. So you love Christmas. You've seen the Christmas films. You watch Christmas films obsessively every year and as much as possible. You have them on TV. You've never seen the film called Christmas Vacation. (laughs) No. How come you've never watched Christmas Vacation?
1: Okay. So I have always kind of assumed and sort of correctly that Christmas Vacation falls into the category of stupid humor. And I was a humor snob for most of my life and actively (laughs) chose not to watch things that I considered to be stupid humor. Mm -hmm. Uh, This all changed in 2006 when Talladega Nights came out starring Will Ferrell. And at that point, I decided to embrace stupid humor. And now I appreciate it most of the time.
0: Is stupid humor a kind of category of post-SNL? People who did skits on SNL. Turning those skits into films or, or characters like those. Yes. So it's
1: not exclusive to that, but yes, yeah. that that's pretty much what it is.
0: <laughs> Anchorman, Ghostbusters, Blues Brothers, Animal House, this.
1: Yeah. I will okay. say though that A Night at the Roxbury should fall into that category, but I adored that movie when I was in high school. Okay. <laughs> Don't ask me why. That
0: is a very appropriate high school film. That's exactly what they were picturing. <laughs> <at. laughs>
1: yeah. So one of my very first questions when I sat down to watch this movie was, what is a National Lampoon anyway? Because I had no idea. I've always heard this, you know, National Hmm. Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, National Lampoon's European Vacation, all this stuff. And I had no idea what it meant. And so when I was looking up the history and production information for this movie, I finally figured it out. So National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation is a 1989 Christmas comedy. It is the third in the National Lampoon film series, which was initially based on a short story written by John Hughes called Vacation 58 and published by National Lampoon Magazine. I had no idea that was a magazine. The series portrays the misadventures of the Griswold family, and this film specifically is about a Griswold family Christmas based on another John Hughes short story called Christmas 59. Christmas Vacation stars Chevy Chase as the unfortunate Clark Griswold, Beverly D'Angelo as his wife Ellen, and Juliette Lewis and Johnny Galecki as the Griswold children Audrey and Rusty. The movie debuted at number two at the box office behind Back to the Future Part Two, but in its third week it hit number one and stayed there for two whole weeks. With a budget of twenty-five million, it grossed seventy-one million in the U.S. While the critical reception for the movie was mixed, it has become a modern Christmas classic. There have been six home video releases, and it is the only sequel in the Vacation series to have its own direct sequel. In 2003, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation 2, Cousin Eddie's Island Adventure, premiered on NBC. And you can almost always find it on some cable channel during the month of December.
0: So just to extend that a bit more. National Lampoon, the magazine, they made a a couple of films, and one of the first ones was National Lampoon's Animal House. It was so cheap to make and so popular that it made a huge amount of money, like a significant thing. So they started putting National Lampoon at the beginning of other films, thinking it was the bankable thing, and and people who were in those films then themselves became bankable. But rather than making their own films, they basically allow people to license the the name National Lampoon for a one-off payment. So they weren't making films. It it would be the equivalent of like someone making a superhero film, Hitch or something, and licensing Marvel to go at the beginning of it. Right. So there's like there's a Ryan Reynolds film, Van Wilder Party Liaison, which is known as Natural Lampoon's Van Wilder. Right. They just gave him a ton of money.
1: Oh, (laughs) it's just to use the name. Okay.
0: Yeah just to put national Lampoon. so they're not making the films themselves they're just licensing it out
1: but this one has a more direct relationship though since the story was actually published in the magazine right
0: yeah so that that first one was published and they made national lampoons vacation and then european vacation and then christmas vacation and then oh there's one more las vegas vacation yes and then there's a quasi remake sequel with like a grown up rusty and then there's the sequel to this one they basically like, oh, everyone loves the Griswolds. Let's keep making them for diminishing returns.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you guys haven't seen this movie, although I find that really hard to believe, Clark Griswold is determined to have the best Griswold family Christmas ever, despite problem after problem and conflict after conflict. So, Matthew, how did you watch this movie?
0: I bought the DVD in a secondhand shop. I I suspect at that timing of recording, we have the problem that it's a little too early for all the Christmas films to be on. Sky Cinema have just started their Christmas channel. I think I've mentioned before how they have a channel they change every month or so. They have a Christmas channel, but this one doesn't seem to be on it or on it yet. Okay. So, cool. How did you watch it?
1: I had to rent it from Amazon. I feel like I need to, like, start doing what you're doing and going to the secondhand shops around here and looking at the DVDs they have. Hmm.
0: The thrift stores? <laughs> is there a difference? Yes. They're...
1: No, they're the same. Okay. Yeah.
0: Although, yeah, like a lot of the previous ones, I've bought from charity shops. It's like a a the Heart Foundation shop or the Oxfam shop. This was actually from a an actual you you take your DVDs in and trade them in and get store credit and stuff.
1: Oh, okay. Well, then, yeah, I guess a thrift store is is more closely equated with what you're calling a charity shop. Mm, yeah. And a, a second hand shop would be like a traded store where you like almost like a pawn shop kind of yeah so cool differences in culture you guys Mm. i love podcasting with you because i learn all these things that i just don't know
0: (laughs) right what were your expectations for this you've obviously told us a little bit but
1: honestly i was really worried i wasn't gonna like it just because even though i (laughs) i think everybody was worried i wasn't gonna like it
0: everyone was saying not to like it (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. Everybody was definitely kind of pushing me in that direction. And I still have some of that stupid humor baggage uh, from when I was a kid. Like it's, there's still some muscle memory in there. And so it's instinctual for me to say, oh, that's stupid. I'm not going to like it. Even though the reality is, is, oh, that's stupid. Of course I'm going to like it. You know? Yeah. So there's a little bit of cognitive cognitive dissonance there. But other than that, I, I didn't really have expectations for it other than it was going to be about Christmas.
0: Okay. Uh, you set up the top, Chevy Chase, uh, Beverly D'Angelo, and there's Randy Quaid and a couple of famous people as the kids. What's your experience of them?
1: Uh, Chevy Chase, again, he is more of a pop culture icon than somebody I'm super familiar with his work, which is surprising to me because I feel like I've seen his face in a lot of things, and apparently I really haven't. He was in a movie called Funny Farm and then he was in this movie that I loved as a kid or I guess high school, middle high school uh, range and I could never remember what it was called. I knew that it was creepy and it had to do with like this junkyard and some weird judge and one of the characters' noses falls off and it was just really, really weird but I knew it starred Chevy Chase. And so, when I was looking through everything, trying to figure out what I knew him from, I found that movie and it's called Nothing But Trouble, which apparently was okay. one of his bigger movies, but oh. I've never actually heard that title before. So, it's very strange, but it's really good, really funny, really weird.
0: Oh. I haven't heard of it.
1: <laughs> I don't think anybody has. It's very strange. <laughs> I mean, like I said, one of the dude's noses falls off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's weird. It's like the closest thing I can relate it to is that it's kind of like a comedy version of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> okay. But not really. But <laughs> just kind of. Okay. Uh, it's creepy, but funny. And it's Chevy Chase. Uh, Beverly Angelo, I know her from playing Patsy Klein in Coal Miner's Daughter. Uh. And uh, Randy Quaid, uh, Crazy Guy in Independence Day. Uh, he was one of the Amish bowlers in Kingpin. Mm -hmm. And apparently he was in Brokeback Mountain, but I don't remember his character in that. And he's been all over the news over the last decade or so because he's crazy now.
0: Hmm. It happens, sadly. Beverly D'Angelo. I had never twigged what else I'd seen her in before looking up for this. Um, She is Barbara Miller in Entourage, some of the later seasons, which I don't think you've watched i have not no and i think you'd hate <laughs> I, I i i did quite enjoy it for the most part i will admit i've grown up now it's okay but yeah i was like oh my god she was Barbara miller no <laughs> okay and, and she's also in a film called the house bunny which is also not a good film but is strangely very charming
1: does that movie have anna faris in it it
0: does have anna faris in it
1: okay I think I've seen it or I've seen bits and pieces of it. Yeah,
0: she is a playboy bunny kicked out of the house and goes to become a matron something at a, a sorority house like, mother. help them house mother there we go. Yeah, and she helps them helps them raise money and stay stay working and stuff. And okay. it's incredibly charming. I mean it's problematic in places as any film like that would be, but Anna Faris goes a long way with me. <laughs> She is. Understandably very fu- so. <laughs> she's, she's so funny though. She is. Funny. Um, right. We've talked about Christmas films up top, so I'm not going to ask you about other similar films. We're going to get right into it. Did you enjoy Christmas Vacation?
1: I did. I have to say, if you. I didn't enjoy it, it would be like I didn't like myself.
0: So <laughs> right. do you want to elaborate I mean, on that?
1: You guys, I am Clark Griswold. I I was very disturbed to find this out while I was watching this movie, but I am Clark Griswold. The sheer joy and excitement he had for putting lights on his house and shopping for the perfect Christmas gift and just wanting everything about Christmas to be perfect for his family, having the perfect meal, having the most beautiful Christmas tree. Guys, that's me Mm -hmm. to a T. There is like nothing about Clark. That is not me, except that he's a man from the 80s.
0: (laughs) I think I want to dive into some of the the proper thoughts on the film in a little bit. This is the third film in the series. Like, some of these characters are fairly firmly established by this point. Did you feel like you'd missed anything?
1: No. Okay. Because they didn't really reference much from previous stuff. I mean, because this was about Christmas. Mm. And so we got that week of Christmas vacation right before Christmas. Yeah. And so I... I felt like they did a really good job of introducing who these characters are and kind of what their personalities are, like, right from the beginning.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a couple of lines in there. Like, and I was trying to watch it with the thought of what if someone was coming to this fresh. There's a couple of lines of, like, when have I ever gone overboard or when have I ever made too much of something or put too much expectation on something? And that's leaning into the hijinks of previous films. But But you kind okay. of get that from him as a character, so...
1: Right. Well, and then you also get Ellen listing all of the things where he's gone overboard. And so you don't need to have seen those previous movies because you get the idea of what's going on.
0: Hmm. Okay. Um, Right. Let's dive into conversation on it. I want to start off with listener feedback. (laughs) Um, Particularly a couple of comments from uh, our friend Kate Met, at Kate Met on Twitter, who... Uh, only saw it a couple of times before her husband moved in, but it's now a Christmas tradition for them and they basically recite every line as it's spoken. So I wanted to know, like, oh, okay, that's quite interesting. Someone who watches it every single year. Why? Is it this film or is it just because it's become a tradition or something? But apparently it is her husband's favourite film and he says it's funny. And I kind of think that's the best summation. I can't go into this as like, oh, yeah, I really love the characterization and the themes and the plotting elements and blah, blah, It's just funny. Yes, yeah,
1: absolutely. <laughs> that's a really good way to
0: sum it up. <laughs> I, I, I think one of the reasons I can give it a pass for some of the highly problematic stuff is actually they're quite a good family. Um, Kate even uh, makes a comment about this dysfunctional family, but they they feel a very natural family. There's a lot of ribbing and, and some antagonization going on, but they are all supporting each other. Clark Clark's direct family, his wife and his children have a very natural relationship. His parents really want to look out for him and want him to do the best. You can see the relationship between Ellen and her parents and the sort of normal in-law relationship with Clark. But they're also happy when his lights work out and they're also supportive of him over the bonus thing. And it's nice. It's not mean in its comedy.
1: Yeah, that's true. I didn't really think about it that way because, I mean, again, this is not like the kind of movie where you can have some serious narrative analysis because it's just funny and so i wasn't really thinking about it in in those kind of terms but you're right it was never like mean-spirited all of the i mean even when you have things like cut that turkey (laughs) i mean they they still ate it you know they they weren't mean (laughs) so um it was it it was nice. They were nice. Um, mm. Lots of problems and issues, but none of it came from the relationships that they had with each other.
0: Yeah. And, and a little bit like we've said with a couple of the other comedies we've done, some of this, the story is just something to hang off skits. So him getting, uh, getting the tree, getting locked in the loft, uh, putting up the lights. It's all just a series of misadventures. There's no particular uh, narrative thread to them. It's just the funny things that can happen to you over Christmas season, and they happen to him as one. Hmm. But I do want to do some narrative analysis of it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Let's take this too seriously. There's a webcomic called XKCD, which is regularly poignant and funny. And they have an old uh, webcomic, or he has an old webcomic, about the, the most played Christmas songs based on the decade of release. And the majority of them are the 40s through the 50s. And I I talked, I mentioned last week on Stand By Me about the baby boomers and we're looking back with nostalgia on these things. There is a tagline on this webcomic. Every year, American culture embarks on a massive project to carefully recreate the Christmases of baby boomers' childhoods. And that is the narrative of this film. He wants to, Clark wants to recreate what for him were perfect Christmases or what he looks back on so fondly. But now he clearly has a good job and is is successful and and earns a good wage and hopefully gets a good bonus to do even more than that. So he wants everything to the nth degree. He wants the greatest naturally grown tree from the forest, the the largest and fills the room. He wants more lights than can power the city and (laughs) every single member of the family to come for Christmas and to put them up and everyone to be happy and enjoy themselves. And we get that great scene in the middle of him watching the, the cine film of his childhood Christmases, which I think is like fifty nine, nights, like absolutely dating him as a baby boomer um, right. and how they were all squashed into the house and just having fun with each other. And he seems to be as a kid, a bit unaware of the stuff going on around him. So the same stuff was potentially going on, but he just wants that glossy thing. And everyone around him is telling him like, dad, you know, we don't need all these lights. We don't need to do this. It's just going to be fine. But he wants to turn it up and have the greatest Christmas ever.
1: Well, yeah. Why not? Obviously, I don't come from the baby boomer generation, Mm. but I feel the same way about Christmas that Clark does. It's a special, magical, wonderful time of year. It only happens once a year. So you want everything to be beautiful and perfect and different. And so if you can try to recreate some of that magic, especially if you feel like as a child you had perfect Christmases, then you're going to try to do that. So, I I mean, I don't fault him for it at all because, I mean, like I said, I am Clark. Clark is me. (laughs) This is what I do every year. I didn't have particularly wonderful Christmases as a kid. I have memories of watching perfect Christmases on TV. And I think those are the Christmases I try to recreate now Mm. in in ways that make me happy. I mean, like I have been posting pictures of the the things that are – going up in my yard and and I bought a a tinsel TARDIS and a tinsel R2D2 and these are not things that would have been part of a perfect Christmas as a child you know when I was a kid it was all about elegance and sophistication and you know all of that sort of thing and now like I can embrace myself and still put it into that Christmas framework and make Mm. it be wonderful and and I think that's what Clark is doing in this movie
0: yeah and it's I I think, like I said, he wants everyone to be happy and and enjoy themselves. And everyone is largely prepared to do that. I just love this. Let's turn it up to 11 (laughs) and do every single thing we can. Look, I'm going to have the brightest house and the biggest tree.
1: (laughs) I will say that he had too many lights and that tree was ugly.
0: (laughs) 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 Uh, Okay, Christmas question for you. Does smell matter about the tree?
1: Oh, this is a tricky question for me. Um, Yes and no. I'm
0: not (laughs) sure that's an acceptable answer.
1: (laughs) Well, it's, it's because I, as an adult who tries to make life as easy as possible for myself, I no longer insist on having a live tree. Okay. Because I live by myself and I do not have a truck. And so getting a live tree to my house and then hauling it off is a giant pain in the rear. Right. So I now have a fake tree that I can put up and take down and put away all by myself. But until I became adult enough to understand that that was a thing that I should do to make my life easier, I always, always, always insisted on live trees because they smell wonderful and they look wonderful and they just bring an element of tradition, I guess, mm-hmm. to Christmas. And and so yes, Christmas smells used to matter a lot to me. And and I have considered actually buying those little <laughs> scenty things that you can hang inside your fake tree to make them so like, smell like a real tree.
0: Like car air fresheners.
1: <laughs> yes, but, but they're but, tree air fresheners. Go to the tree, yeah. And but they don't smell right. And so I would rather not have a smell than to have a fake smell. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I am very specific in my weirdness, okay? Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, uh, let's do a little bit of detail work on this film. Okay. Yeah? The neighbors, the yuppie neighbors, Julie Louise Dreyfus, is it? Yes. Jenny Louise Dreyfus?
1: Julie. Julie. Julia. Okay.
0: Julia. Her from Veep and Seinfeld.
1: <laughs> yes. That's a lie.
0: I- love the neighbours, I love how ridiculous they are. I mean, them falling over when the lights are coming on and off is just the most ridiculous. But the, you know, something's destroyed the stereo and there's water on the floor, what's going on? And then the bit at the end of her wanting to go and punch them and her coming back and punching him. I like it. I like that it presents another look at Christmas and their Christmas is not wrong. I mean, you know, yuppies are uh, an easy joke to make these days, or, or and definitely they were at that time, but they're doing them.
1: Oh, what are your thoughts on I can the yuppies? I agree with you.
0: <laughs> they're doing Christmas wrong. <laughs> Get well, okay, a goddamn no, it, tree, it, you goddamn yuppies!
1: <laughs> uh, it's not that they're doing Christmas wrong. It's just that they're really terrible people. <laughs> that, I mean, that—that's really what it is. Because the the very first time we see them, they're making fun of Clark, mm. and just being absolutely mean. To him, and all he's trying to do is get, you know, get his tree in the house. And they're just awful. They are not even nice to each other.
0: No, they're all about the look of the thing.
1: Which um, so, so I, I I quite liked that their house got destroyed <laughs> through mm-hmm. all of these various mishaps, <laughs> um, which might make me a really terrible person too. But <laughs> I don't care.
0: <laughs> okay, so that's the detail of the neighbors. There was a big plot about the bonus and his work. And the boss, and so on, and his his friend, who is also Chandler Bing's boss, and it is it seems to almost be the same character. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: um, it, it's almost like they realised they needed a way to wrap the film up and have some big kind of crescendo to the end of the film. So they then inserted this plot in there about the about the bonus throughout it because it doesn't impact anything.
1: Well, I mean, nothing in this movie impacts anything else. It's just a bunch of little vignettes smushed together to fill up this week.
0: (laughs) As as a character journey, I would talk about Clark as the protagonist wanting a great Christmas for his family and these things getting in the way. I wouldn't talk about him wanting a swimming pool.
1: Well, I I don't think it's about the swimming pool itself. It's about giving his family something nice. Mm. Like, I don't think the swimming pool is really for him, despite the male gazy fantasy with the shop clerk that he had. Well, we'll come to that. You know? but but if you, i mean if you think about the fantasy though even then he was inside his house watching his family enjoy the pool before it morphed into the fantasy hmm. and so it is more about him providing something for his family for wanting his family's life to be wonderful and for him to give them the best that he absolutely can clark is a good man he is a good dad he is a good husband and he's just really unlucky in life as he tries to make things happen yeah though it seems to generally turn out for the best Mm -hmm. in the end
0: and that's the nice thing about it again i'm saying the film is nice because he wants good things to happen and eventually they do they're not necessarily the way they wanted them and he does go a bit berserk at times but everyone's there to support each other and work through it and they're happy for him when things go right yes let's talk about the the almost problematic bits when i was watching this I was like, "Oh god, stop with the scene with the shop girl, then stop with the swimming pool scene. Just stop it." I was like, "Mandy's going to hate this film, and this is only going to make it worse, and it's going to make the conversation really difficult because I can't defend this. It's uh-huh. awful."
1: No, it is indefensible except that it was made in
0: 1989.
1: Yeah. You know, and that was common and reasonable in 1989. I mean, mm. it's awful. I was typing in all caps at Shop Girl, like, who is trying to sell something and lifts their skirt up to show you their non-existent panty line? Like, that does not yeah. happen. You know, I I was definitely in my shouty all, ca- all caps phase here. Um, mm. But it was such a small, small part of the film that it was easy to whistle past.
0: Yeah. Uh, him being like, oh, my wife has whispered up. She's deceased. All of like, no stop it we don't need this as a story unfortunately like you say it's just a small gag
1: yeah but, uh... and then like, yeah i mean the movie did not need it nothing would have changed if if that hadn't been in there yeah. if the character hadn't been in there but i th- i feel like that, that is something they do in all of these movies i haven't actually seen any of these movies from start to finish but i've seen bits and pieces hmm. and and i feel like in one of them there's another gag where, where Clark is driving and he looks over and he sees, like, I want to say Christy Tarlington, but it's not Christy Tarlington. It's some big model from the 80s, early 90s. And he's just, like, flipping out and they're driving and he almost wrecks, you know. And, and so I just feel like having this beautiful woman that he's, like, drooling all over is just something that they always insisted in putting in these movies.
0: Yeah, the first film has uh, Christy Brinkley. Brinkley. Chrissy Brinkley. That's, yeah, yeah, she, um, I think they almost even have an affair in the film and it's just, yeah, it's it's an obvious thing of films of that time, sadly. Uh, yeah. I, I will say, I don't mind the joke about him, no, do I mind? The, the joke about him going shopping for lingerie and getting all flustered. It's an obvious gag, but it can be done quite well and in a quite funny way. And I like that there's a slight callback to it when the trees burnt down he gets the new tree in and he's putting presents under it. And the, the present, the box with all the, the nice underwear is wrecked. So he's got this like flimsy little thong thing and he's kind of draping it on the tree. <laughs> it's a small moment, but it's just like, oh, yeah, he bought that earlier in that, that problematic scene. Now he's like, what do I do with it? Oh, I'm just going to put it there. It's, it's kind of like tinsel.
1: <laughs> wow, I do not remember that.
0: Yeah, as I say, it's a really little... Just as he's arranging stuff. So the joke is he's having to put stuff back there. But uh,
1: I don't even remember him getting a new tree. What was I watching?
0: Well, the tree burns down. He goes yes. out and cuts a new tree down, which smashes into the neighbor's house. Oh, that's right. And that's has, where the, and has the squirrel, squirrel comes from. Absolutely. Yes.
1: Okay. I was so focused on the squirrel, I forgot about everything else.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. And yeah, it's, it's, the, there, is, there are big moments of this film happening. And they throw in some other gags as well, which is always nice.
1: Yes. Okay.
0: So... I feel like we're moving into gushing about this film. I don't have many more details to talk about. I like it opening up in the car because that throws us back to the previous two films, which are all about them traveling around in a car.
1: I liked them singing in the car.
0: <laughs> Rusty, take if it. If I
1: was married, if I was married, kids, I would <laughs> totally be doing that to my kids.
0: Yeah. We do. I have a Christmas playlist that I add to every year. and so just expands expanding, expands and expands.
1: That's amazing. Mm hmm. I also have a Christmas playlist that I put together this year, uh hey. paring down my previous ones because you know, you only need so many versions of a single song in a playlist before it just gets to be ridiculous. So
0: Except for the Twisted Sister Twisted Christmas album. You can have duplicates of all of
1: them. If you say so.
0: <laughs> I love that Christmas album. It's amazing. <laughs> Not as good as Bob Dylan's Christmas album. <laughs>
1: Okay. My little Santa Claus, my little Santa Claus. Well <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, I don't think so I've better. heard either of those, so maybe my, my love for Christmas is you know not as real as I thought it was.
0: I, l- I like uh an offbeat Christmas song. <laughs> I will I will link to it somewhere and you can listen. Uh you might okay. not include them in your list. Right. <laughs> uh, are there any more details of this film that you wanted to talk about?
1: No- nothing that would not delve into gushing. Okay. I mean, because really everything that I want to talk about are the things that I loved about this movie, because the problematic things that I didn't love are things I can whistle past. And so everything else is just stuff that I adore.
0: Nice. And and I'm pleased about that because we, we did our usual call out for thoughts on this film. And a lot of the thoughts were oh, they're not necessarily negative, but just people being like, oh, yeah, it's kind of stupid. So your, your thing about stupid humor. Um mm-hmm at we do words i have one very specific memory of this and it involves the onset of symptoms caused by a stomach gi bug just when the turkey was cut <laughs> and, and yeah that is a uh it's difficult i feel so moment. bad
1: <laughs> oh i felt so bad i mean because that moment was difficult enough without feeling sick already so yeah absolutely but it was really funny and it made me love ellen even more so
0: and uh, she continued, I maybe saw it one or two times after that. It's the Grizzled family movie I'm most willing to watch, but that's not saying much. Yep.
1: Well, it's uh, the only Grizzled family movie I watched.
0: So. <laughs> At Rama, we watched it last year and realized it fell into the category of comedies from the 80s that aren't exactly appropriate for kids by today's standards. I think this is not hugely inappropriate, but there are some, the tirade and some daft comedy moments.
1: Okay. I mean, because I was gonna say, I want to unpack that for a minute because oh. I, I don't think I would have a problem showing this to a child. I mean, as long as there were like honest conversations about why that male gay stuff isn't appropriate and, and things mm. like that, most of it is fine. It's not inappropriate, I don't think. so I'm not sure. What the, am I missing?
0: The the police breaking down and smashing the houses and him smashing houses and not caring. It's almost you have to explain bits of it as you go through. Why, why, why is he, why are the police there? Why are they smashing this down? And I can't see a kid being hugely enthused by a story about him not getting his bonus and his, his boss getting kidnapped.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, I'm not saying I think kids would enjoy it, Mm. but I don't, I don't know that it's inappropriate comedy. Yeah. But I am also a child of this time, so (laughs) I may be be just equating what was okay for me as a kid to uh, what might be okay today, so... But um, I don't, I don't have kids, so I, I might feel differently if I did have kids.
0: At Gypsy Book Nerd, I don't really like the National Lampoon movies, and haven't watched Christmas Vacation during the holidays ever, as far as I remember.
1: All I will say is that if you love Christmas, you should watch this movie.
0: Um, and well, let's let's finish off on uh, at generosity loved it as a kid, but it's one I don't think I'd enjoy as an adult anymore. The jokes are just too obvious and over the top for me. No particular Christmas memories for this movie either
1: am I the only person who loves this movie? <laughs> like, this is, like, so backwards from how this usually is. Mm.
0: I, I, It's one I am happy to watch at Christmas. I was expecting to have to defend the film a lot more. There are moments in this that I genuinely smile and laugh at, which we're about to get to, but there's not enough in it for me to go, I am going to watch this every year very happily. We We've got another one of those films coming up, That I love watching every year. We've got films like Elf that I just adore and happy to have on. This I'll put on if it's there.
1: That's fair. I mean, I don't know that I would go actively seek this movie to Mm. say, oh, I have to watch this movie every year. Because there are so many others that are better. But I think I just, I feel a kinship to this movie. Clark is like a kindred spirit to me. Mm. And I don't see that super often. I mean, Buddy the Elf is also a kindred spirit to me. So, I mean, there's that. Um, But other than that, you know, Christmas movies are largely, uh, I don't know, different. I I don't know how to say what I'm trying to say. Um, But they they tend to just not be quite in this level of family comedy, maybe, Mm -hmm. is what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. And I just really appreciated it.
0: Nice would you say clark's love of christmas is your favorite thing about it and how much you you empathize with Mm. clark
1: oh that's a tie can i have a tie for the the things that i love the most about this movie
0: yeah tell me your favorite things
1: clark's love of christmas and his wife Mm. ellen is a freaking national treasure and i love her i love her so much so, my takeaway from this movie is that I am Clark, and I want to be Ellen. <laughs> okay. and so i can't I can't decide which one is better because they're they're both awesome. Clark's joy and just absolute love of Christmas just warms my heart and and makes me happy, and it's wonderful. But Ellen is sassy and sarcastic, but still supportive, and it's just wonderful. Mm. I mean. So in in that that turkey scene, when you're watching them, oh, I don't know why they decided to eat that turkey. (laughs) I I don't know why that was a thing that happened. That should not have happened. But she's sitting there bringing the fork up to her mouth and just smiling all sweetly. And then all of a sudden she flicks the fork so that the the meat goes away. (laughs) And then she like pretends that it's wonderful still. You know, things like that. My favorite, favorite, favorite scene of of Ellen's uh, was when uh, Ellen and Clark were talking about eddie and how he's been out of work for like seven years and they can't afford christmas for their kids and and she says catherine says he's been holding out for a management position and then she pauses and the look on her face is the most epic throwing of shade that i have ever seen (laughs) from a 1980s movie and it was amazing and then, you know, things like when the cops showed up at the end and she's like, well, it's our first kidnapping or our first family <laughs> kidnapping or something like that. And it's not something that she did consistently. It was, or, or I guess, maybe not persistently. It was something that just came out every once in a while. And I think that elevated it. And mm. it just made her I'm like, I, I want to be her. Like, I aspire to that level of sass. She's so. Like, in down the to moment earth. when yeah. it's needed. <laughs> and I loved it. So, I mean, Clark and Ellen are like two of my favorite characters, I think, of a movie I've seen in a long time. Mm. And one of Clark's more interesting moments, not not a Christmas loving moment, is but it made me laugh so hard when he was trying to catch the squirrel and he asked for a hammer. And Ellen says, What do you need a hammer for? And he goes, I'm going to catch it in the coat and
0: smack it with the hammer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I just about fell out laughing because it was funny. I mean, it was horrifying, but it was funny. Like there, there was just a lot of funniness in this movie.
0: Yeah. It, it does the right thing with something that is just wanting to be funny. Like exactly like Kate said, it, it is just funny. Because it just throws gags at it. You were saying about her thing of, sorry, it's our first kidnapping. Mm-hmm. Just after that, the police burst in. It might even be that moment. The police burst in and they tell them all to freeze. And she freezes like bent over, one arm around Clark, the other right. arm <laughs> on Chevy Chase's crotch. Her hand just <laughs> on his crotch. And then right. when the boss's wife walks in, she, she like holds her hand out like, Pleased to you meet you, welcome to our home. Shakes her hand and then it goes back on his crotch. <laughs> <laughs> it's right, just, right it's so ridiculous and it's a little moment that makes me laugh and i, I love that there's a little moment like that for you that's just like that's so daft it works yes i've got a, a whole sort of sequence probably about a third of the way through where there's just moment after moment i think this is probably where the film wins me over and just makes me happy that okay okay this is doing some good comedy where that if they put up the giant tree they've cut down from the forest and it bursts out everywhere. And he's inside it and he makes a thing of like, oh, there's a lot of sap in here. And then it cuts <laughs> to them in bed. And, and he's reading a magazine. He takes a, a an insert out of the magazine. It's stuck to his hand. And then he turns the page and the page is stuck to his hand. And then he talks to her and he puts his hand on her head. And then he turns to turn <laughs> off the lamp. And his hand is stuck to her hair. And his hand, other hand across him gets stuck to the lamp. And he's just like trying to untangle himself (laughs) from everything. And it's almost, they don't call attention to it because there's actual exposition about the family going on in the, in this scene. So that's probably the most important thing. But at the same time, they've got this great gag going on.
1: It was made even better by Ellen's reaction because she's just sitting there talking to him while her hair is all covered across her face (laughs) because he can't get his hand out of it. And like, she's not laughing. She's not irritated. She's just like, God, this is another Clark thing. And she's just still talking. (laughs) And it, it was great. It was a great yeah. scene.
0: Um, and then shortly after that, the family arrives and we've had some complaints about the family and we've had some other things going on. But the doorbell goes, and the doorbell goes a couple of times and you just get a reaction shot from every member of the family just being like, oh, God, they're here. <laughs> and it really does set you up like, right, we're now getting into it. We're now going to have the family arguments and some of the obvious Christmas stuff. but. I really like that you get a shot of each of them doing something and just, like, pausing the TV or looking up from a magazine. (laughs) (laughs) And then when he eventually gets all the lights up, and he's talking about the 25,000 lights and blah, 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 and he asks them to do a drum roll, and everyone looks around like, how do we do a drum roll? And Ellen starts, and she's doing a genuinely good drum roll with her mouth. (laughs) And then the family joins in. You've got some of them going blip 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 and one of the grandmothers is going <laughs> And you have them all doing different drum rolls.
1: wonderful because they're all trying to participate and be supportive of clark and his lights yeah and it's amazing it's lovely
0: it reminds me i don't think you've seen it but the chicken moment from arrested development
1: i've not seen no, it
0: okay at some point we will watch that and, and you will know what i mean because there's another moment exactly like that and, and of course then it, there's lots of other goings on but it culminates in eventually then working out what's going on with the lights and she figures out that it's the switch and she throws it at the moment he plugs it all in so you get the sparks Mm -hmm. and the house just lights and he's so overjoyed and we've already had the gag of the lights coming on and the meters spinning 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 and they have to turn on the emergency reactor and so on so we've had the gag of how many lights and now we have the gag of he's so happy and he's embracing everyone and making jokes about it the the father-in-law like you said they were gonna twinkle. They're not twinkling. <laughs> his reaction just, thanks for noticing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I have to say that was my reaction too. I was like, come on, Clark. You said they were twinkle lights. Those are not twinkle lights.
0: But I, I, I love. They go on, and he and his wife are happy, and then he hugs his mum, and he's like, "I wanted you to have this, mum." And it's such a lovely, heartfelt Aww. moment. It's great. Yeah. And that's Christmas, and that's why this is a good Christmas film.
1: Yes. Yeah. This this is a good Christmas film because at the end of the day, it's about the family and the family being together and making the family happy.
0: Exactly. And that's Christmas. So moving out of this Christmas film, is there anything more we need to talk about it?
1: Well, there are a couple of things that we didn't bring up and I don't quite know how we didn't bring them up. But I feel like this would be a terrible Christmas vacation podcast if we didn't mention Eddie's black Dickie under the white shirt. Okay.
0: I did not when even I... notice it until I read your notes. I just really? noticed that he was dressed ridiculously. I'd never sort of thought about it in those terms, but yes, it's good.
1: No, it's it's amazing because I mean, you can tell he's trying so hard to dress nicely. <laughs> but when you look at him, there's the square, the black square from his yeah. like like <laughs> turtleneck dicky with this like very thin shirt over it, and I was dying mm-hmm. because it was so funny. And Like, it's not something to gush about, and it's not, like, a serious detail, but it was hysterical, and it just made me laugh. And it turns out, I think, people sell Dickies as related to Christmas Vacation because of that scene. Oh, nice. (laughs) Which I think is hilarious.
0: Can I just throw in there? The film does an interesting thing with Randy Quaid's character, because I think he's in the very first Vacation, and then obviously he was very popular, so they bring him back for this, but it's it's almost unclear what relation he is to the family.
1: Oh, no, it's not almost unclear. It is unclear.
0: <laughs> it basically implies he's Clark's brother.
1: Yes. I thought he was Clark's brother for most of the movie. Yeah. And towards the end, he said cousin-in-law by marriage, I think yeah. is what he said. And so that's when I figured out he was actually related to Catherine, and Catherine was his cousin. But it took most of the movie to get there.
0: Well, Catherine's his wife, and she is Ellen's cousin.
1: Ellen's cousin, not Claire's yeah, cousin. Yeah. Okay.
0: Um, yeah, so so he's completely tangentially related to them. Right. But the way the film is set up, it's like they're brothers. So it, it does, really. Clearly they like knew brothers. he'd be popular. And in that scene where they're drinking, I think they're drinking from cups that are from the theme park that is the crux of the first vacation film. They want to get to this Wally World theme park. And I think... The
1: mooses are from Wally World?
0: I think the mooses are from Wally World. Okay. Yeah. It was only noticed on the second time. I'm like, I, I think that's just a really subtle little thing about the first film.
1: I just assumed they were like some really ridiculous tacky Christmas decoration that Clark loved.
0: <laughs> yeah, like a reindeer or something. But yeah. I, I think there's an element of the cartoon moves to it. Okay. Hmm. That's nice. Sorry, you said there was a second thing and I'm talking over you.
1: Oh, no, no. Hey, we can talk about this movie all day. No, that was we'll me
0: segueing you to the second thing. <laughs> I know.
1: So I was a little bit frustrated that for someone who claims to love Christmas as much as Clark does, and as much as he clearly does from watching this mm. movie, he sure waited until way too close to Christmas to start doing this stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, he didn't put those lights on his tree. I mean, on his house until the day his family shows up for Christmas. He didn't buy the tree until the day or maybe the day before his family is showing up for Christmas. And so, I mean, they're only staying for a couple of days. So at most, this is like three or four days before Christmas. And if you love Christmas that much, he should have had that stuff up weeks ago. That's that's like my only, like, nitpick frustration Terrible thing about this movie is that should have been done differently.
0: I'd never thought about that until I saw it in your notes, and and yeah, I can see that you have a point. I have a head cannon for you. Okay. Okay. Uh, doorbell goes. The family all look up, and they're like, "Oh God, the grandparents are here!" And they let them in, and there's the whole kerfuffle of everyone coming in and kissing and talking, and and the kids being given a quarter and all of this kind of thing. And he has lines like. I'm gonna park the cars and check the luggage, and I'll be outside for the season. We're gonna have the best looking house in town. Only starts going to put up the lights. I think he's waited so that he can get out of the house <laughs> when the family's there. I think he's smarter than this implies, okay, yeah,
1: okay. i I can go with that i I can because they they did set that up just the way you said, so that that's a possibility. It's just it's hard for me to believe that somebody who loves Christmas that much. Would wait until the last minute because honestly, it would be impossible to put that many lights on his house in the amount of time that he did it in this movie. Mm. Especially considering they had to untangle them. He checked every <laughs> single one of those 25,000 bulbs twice. The there's no bone. way this happened in a single day.
0: Where he's got the giant ball and he's like, oh, there's a knot in there. You need to work on that. <laughs> Perfect father son thing. It'll build character, yes. lad. Yes.
1: <laughs> Yeah, so it, I mean that's all, and, and I know that's a little nitpick, just because I'm a Christmas crazy person. I've been told I have Christmas mania, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know. So I'll, I'll go with that, and and not everybody is quite like I am, and I know that there are a lot of people who don't even put their tree up until Christmas Eve, Crikey. you know. And if that's you, you do you. Yeah. That's your tradition, and it's wonderful. I just don't understand it, and so going through. This much work and waiting just drove me a little bit crazy. <laughs> but that's we, okay.
0: We always did our tree fairly close to Christmas, but my parents were teachers. So it was basically like once they were on their Christmas break, then it could be Christmas in like decorations and stuff. Right. So I, I can understand that.
1: Yeah. Every um, family has their own way of doing things.
0: Yeah. Having seen Christmas Vacation, are you interested in watching? The original vacation and European vacation, the two before this?
1: Maybe. I'm hesitant to say yes, because I feel like the reason I love this family so much is because this movie shows how much Clark loves Christmas, and that's why I relate to him so much. And I'm afraid that seeing him act the same way and go through all of these hijinks in a non-Christmas setting would be a disappointment to me. Okay. I'm not saying it would be. I'm just saying I have concerns.
0: Got it. I remember, I, I I can remember some good stuff from the first film. I'm I almost want to watch the second one because I, since moving there, I I like watching London on screen, so I'll be quite interested to see what they do okay. with it. But I also know it's basically going to be one giant stereotype.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I know in one of them, and and this is in my notes too. In one of these movies, there is something about a dog, and I'm not okay with the thing that happened to the dog. Uh, okay. And yeah. And I don't want to see one. that. I'm I'm yeah. really glad it wasn't in this one. So.
0: Yeah, and the dog in this one, we'll so time. they introduce the dog and they're like, oh, he's called Snot because of his sinus infection. And then they never refer to his name or the illness again. <laughs> like, so so that's just one throwaway gag. But is isn't my sort of humor. I don't think it's your sort of humor either. But they just throw it like, OK, well, we've got to give the dog a name. So why don't we give it a ridiculous name because of something disgustingly funny? They're just throwing stuff and hope it makes someone out there laugh.
1: Yeah, I, I think that is the perfect description for mm, what they did. Yeah, with many of the gags in this movie,
0: mm,
1: great. But many of them landed really well.
0: Yeah, the old aunt first doing the pledge of allegiance and then singing the Star Spangled Banner. <laughs> it's, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's so well timed.
1: Oh, I couldn't stop laughing. Play ball. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah great oh this movie it's just good it's funny it's funny I think that's like the name of this episode it's funny yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean what it, else are you gonna say it
0: has enough stuff in there it even has Mele and that is not a Christmas song I hear very often and I love that song very much Mele is a thing to say on a bride.
1: Wild Christmas Day. Oh, I love that song. Yeah. It's in my playlist. Yeah. Uh, we want to say thank you to everybody who sent us feedback on this movie so that we could include it in the episode. And if you'd like to have your thoughts and feedback featured in our episode, you can use the hashtag PCDeprived on Twitter. I know a lot of you do like to interact with us on Twitter. And if you forget to use the hashtag, sometimes it can get lost. So please remember PCDeprived. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at eloquentgushing. You can email us at podcast at eloquentgushing.com, or you can leave us a voice message at speakpipe.com slash eloquentgushing. You can also find each of us on Twitter. I'm at Mandy Kay.
0: And I'm at Matthew Vose. We have a Patreon that uh, all our lovely patrons support us and support the other shows that we put together. Um, It's 100% funded by our listeners. So to find out more, visit patreon.com slash gushing. And don't forget to recommend us to friends and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, Visit eloquentgushing.com our homepage to view our other shows and subscribe to our weekly newsletter.
1: And we'll be back next week with another episode of Pop Culturally Deprived, where we'll talk about the winner of our poll, The Muppet Christmas Carol. Until next time, I'm Mandy Kay.
0: And I want to tell him what a cheap, lying, no good, rotten, four-flushing, low-life, snake-licking, dirt-eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood-sucking, dog-kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat-ass, bug-eyed, stiff-legged, spotty-lipped, worm-headed, sack of monkey-shit he is. (laughs)
1: I'm so glad you did that.
0: In one breath. Thank you.
1: Yes. I'm so glad you did that. Pop-Culturally Deprived is an Eloquent Gushing production. For more information, please visit eloquentgushing.com.